This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. And now we're going to continue uh, our series this morning in step from the book of Galatians. Our key verse for this whole uh, series is Galatians 5.2.5, in step with the Holy Spirit. Hopefully you believe this, that God is on the move. God is active. God is moving. God is on the advance. And we get to join in. We get to be in step with the Spirit. Who wants to live in step with the Spirit? Who wants to live in step with God? Well, that's what this whole series is about. And my message this morning is called A Life of Faith or Living the Life of Faith. This morning we're going to think about being in step with the Spirit by living a life of faith. That's what we're going to think about and look, uh, look at this morning. And to help illustrate this a little bit, I'd love to share a story about a friend of mine uh, called Mick. And I saw Mick this week. His picture's going to pop up on the screen. I saw my friend uh, Mick this week. And um, Mick, Mick doesn't take lots of pictures, so this is maybe the best one I could find of, uh, of Mick. Mick's uh, an incredible guy. Uh, me and Mick are from the same, uh, born in the same town of Hayward, North Manchester. And uh, I catch up with Mick a couple of times a year. And uh, Mick started a, a company about um, in, in the late 70s called Wigwam. And Wigwam is a sound company. They do sound for lots of churches all over the UK and all over the world. They actually did the sound uh, install here. They've helped lots of churches uh, over the years. They've also worked with lots of uh, pop artists uh, in the UK and globally, uh, venues and concerts. And so the past years had a huge impact on, on Mick and his company. But Mick's always full of faith. He's always full of passion. And and we, whatever he does, is is been able to be very successful in the music industry, uh, helping to amplify the sound of all these artists and work with artists and work with venues. But for Mick, it's always about sharing Jesus. For Mick, it's always been about uh, pointing people to Jesus. Uh, and Mick, in his life, has been able to work with some of the, the most famous evangelists on the planet. You might have heard of Billy Graham. You might have heard of Ran Albonke. You might have heard of Luis Palau. And over the years, uh, Mick Spratt from his little base in Hayward has been able to help these people amplify their message. I'm going to show you another picture. Uh, I used to get these pictures quite often from Mick. So that's about a million people. Hard to count. People didn't have to pre-register for that event. You know, so it's hard to know exactly how many people were at this event uh, somewhere in Africa. But about a million people at this outdoor event as the gospel is being proclaimed. And in the middle of that picture, you'll see a little hut. That's the sound booth. And that's Mick and his company traveling all over the world to help people hear the gospel message. Rana Bonke, Billy Graham, Louis Palau have communicated the gospel to about 300 million people globally. Uh, they've spoken to more people about Jesus than anyone else in human history. Now, I'm not saying Mick was the sound guy for all of their events, uh, but Mick has worked with these guys to help proclaim the gospel message. But when I met with Mick this week, what really astounded me and blew me away when we talk about this idea of a life of faith, living in step with the Spirit by living a life of faith, is the humble beginnings. It all started in 1967 when this couple called Sam and Bessie Pogson, who were leading this little church in Hayward, lent a guy called Mike Hook £35 to buy a drum kit. 
my cook felt this passion, this call from God to share the gospel using rock and roll music, which in the 60s was quite a revolutionary idea that you might have a band and lights and all this kind of stuff. But Mike had this sense of, I think if we, get, if we use rock and roll music, we could reach people. And this older couple, Sam and Bessie Pogson, said, yes, we'll lend you £35 to buy a drum kit so you can create this band and you can share the message of Jesus using rock and roll. Mike started, started this band in 1969. He did his first big concert, and there was a young man at the concert called Mick Spratt. And Mick loved rock and roll. Mick loved what he saw on stage. He loved the message. And his mate who had brought him to the event said, you know that guitarist? He teaches guitar for free, and his wife gives you cake. Do you want to come? Do you want to come to the youth group? And the youth group was called, uh, youth group was called Wigwam, which stands for We and God Welcome All Men. Now you should probably call it people, shouldn't it? We and God welcome all people, but wigwap isn't as good as name, is it? We and God welcome all men. So everybody was welcome, free to come. You can learn an instrument and you get free cake. Mick started to go along uh, to learn guitar, joined the band, became a Christian. And then in 1978, uh, Mick and Mike went to an event together in Manchester to hear a preacher, a guy called David Pawson or David Watson, one of those two. You may have heard of him. He was preaching for 10 days at this event in Manchester, and the sound was awful. Uh, Mick and Mike were at the back of this event, and they couldn't hear the preacher. So at the end of the event, they went to the organizer and said, the sound's terrible. We all came to hear the preacher, but nobody could hear the preacher. And the organizer said, if you think you can do a better job, then you do it tomorrow night. And Mick and Mike looked at each other and said, okay, we'll do that. And so they came the next night and they ran sound for the first time at this big event in Manchester. And that was the birth of Wigwam, the birth of this global company that led to millions of people hearing the gospel in, in Africa and South America with Louis Palau and globally with Billy Graham. But it all started with Sam and Bessie Pogson lending them £35 in 1967. Two of the young people that they reached in the 70s were called Dave and Sharon Baker. Uh, they were in Plymouth, uh, in the south of England. They heard this band. They were kind of captivated by the music, captivated by the message. And they were living in Canada. When they came back from Canada, they decided to move to the north of England to be part of this family, part of this community, part of what God was doing in the north of England. And that's my parents. They came, when they came back to England, they wanted to be a part of what God was doing with Mick and Mike in this whole thing. So I just love their story and how intrinsically connected it is to my story. But if you're thinking, so what? You know, that's good for Mick. That's good for you. How does that impact me? Well, just a few, a few thoughts from that story. The seeds of faith in a small act of generosity. Sam and Bessie Pogson lent £35 for a drum kit. That led to millions of people hearing the gospel all over the world. A word of encouragement, just a simple word of encouragement, the right word in the right moment. Stepping into the unknown, stepping out of your comfort zone. Unexpected opportunities. You know, Mike and Mick went to this event to hear a message. They didn't think they were going to be offered an opportunity. But this unexpected opportunity came their way, and that opened up a brand new pathway for them. All of these small acts of faith have literally impacted millions, millions globally. So here's my question for each one of us to consider this morning off the back of that story. 
What might God do through your small acts of faith? What might God do through your small acts of faith? This week on social media, I asked the question, what does living by faith look like? Obviously, in preparation for this message this morning, I wanted to hear from different people and some people in this room and some people on the live stream engage with that question. And if you're on the live stream, either in the room you might be texting or on the, on the live stream at home, you could answer that question if you want. What does living by faith mean to you? What does a life of faith mean to you? And I loved it. I got all these great answers back. Uh, a friend of mine called Dan, not, not Dan Randall, a different Dan. Uh, there's more than one Dan in the planet. Uh, another friend of mine called Dan, he said this, a life of faith to him means the relentless pursuit of God and his will with my whole life. Dan, this youth worker from, from the Northeast, the relentless pursuit of God and his will with my whole life. That's good, that, isn't it? What does living by faith look like to you? What does it mean to you to live a life of faith? Well, let's jump into uh, the book of Galatians. This whole series in step is from the book of Galatians, which, which is the Apostle Paul, one of the key leaders of the early church, writing to these Christians in Galatia. And in a moment, we're going to read a, pass, a small passage from Galatians 3. But I want us to think about, as we, before we look at these words on the screen, uh, I want us to think about what's going on here. Paul, Paul says a lot of interesting, sometimes confusing things that really need to be uh, unpicked uh, in this passage. So what is he getting at? What's Paul getting at in Galatians? Well, one of the issues that he seems to be addressing with these Christians in Galatia is, who are the people of faith? Who are the children of God? Who are the descendants of Abraham? And we're going to talk a bit about Abraham this morning. So if you're not sure who Abraham is, don't worry, I'm going to, uh, we're going to unpack who Abraham is. But who are the children of faith? Who are the people of God? Who are the people that belong to God? That's what Paul seems to be addressing in the book of Galatia. Uh, sorry, the book of Galatians. And this is Paul's conclusion, it seems to me. Paul says that you become the children of faith when you live in step with the Holy Spirit and you follow Jesus, placing your trust in him. That's who the people of God are. That's who the descendants of Abraham are. Not this one tribe, not this one people, not by works, not by fulfilling the law, but by being in step with the Holy Spirit and following Jesus. That's putting your trust in Jesus. That's how you become the children of faith. That's how you become the children of God. Therefore, according to Paul, it's not by our works, it's not by our human endeavor, or just by fulfilling the law, by ticking boxes. That's not how we earn a place at the table. It's the people of faith that become the children of God. If the seed is faith, I want us to think about that idea this morning, the seed of faith, 35 pounds from Sam and Bessie, stepping into the unknown, an unexpected opportunity, Going out of your comfort. If the seed is faith, then what grows is the work of the Spirit. When you spend time with Mick, you realize all that God has done through the work of Wigwam, that was no human's uh, initiative. That was no human endeavor. Mick would say, be the first to say, he's not that clever. You know, he's not clever enough to develop this whole thing. He stepped out in faith. He believed if the seed is faith, what grows is the work of the Spirit. So let's read Galatians 3. 
This is from verse 2. And this is Paul. I love Paul's tone in this passage. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Now remember, Paul knows these guys. He's friends with these guys. So he's speaking plainly to them. After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh, your own human endeavor? So also Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. So I want to unpack now three ideas that I think all of us can do. All of us can get in step with the Spirit and live by faith by thinking about these three simple ideas. Are you ready? Number one, what does faith look like? Well, faith looks like looking to God. What does living by faith look like? My first thought is this. Faith looks like looking to God. Now, as I said, I'm going to kind of jump between Abraham's story, which is in the book of Genesis, and then back to Galatians again. But Abraham's story in the book of Genesis. This is Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 to 6. It says this. He, which is God, took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. This is God speaking to Abraham. This is Abraham who is advanced in years. This is Abraham who doesn't have a child. This is Abraham who is following God, who is trusting in God. And we're going to read that story in a moment. And I just love this picture so much. Abraham, this Middle Eastern man, stood outside of his tent, believing that the God of the universe is speaking to him. And in this moment, the God of the universe is saying, your descendants, remember he's got no children right now, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's what Abraham believes God says to him. Faith looks like looking to God. And as Abraham is stood there looking at the night sky, he believes that God is speaking to him, that the God of the universe is speaking to him in this moment. If you don't know about Abraham, then Abraham is who we call the father of faith. In, in scriptures, he seems to be the, the person who first believes in the one true God and becomes the leader. And from him, um, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all get their root from this one guy. If you want to know how many people that is on the planet right now, that's about three billion people. About half of the planet you know, would look to Abraham as the father of their faith, as the first person to believe in the one true God, Abraham. And this moment is a Middle Eastern man stood outside his tent looking at the sky. That's what you and me would have seen if we were just looking at Abraham. But what's going on in his heart and his mind is his believing God, is believing that the God of the universe might have a plan for his life, is believing that the God of the universe sees him. This is thousands of years ago, that he sees him, that he knows him, and he has a calling and a purpose for his life. Faith looks like looking to God. Uh, this week I was walking with a, a friend of mine who has just been through a, 
uh, tragic bereavement. And the three words that he used most in the conversation were sad, broken, lost. Now, as we're talking and walking together, and we had lots of laughter and lots of, you know, lots of memory sharing, but the three words he used the most in our conversation were lost, broken, sad. And I had, I had friendship to offer him. You know, I had advice to offer to him. But the main thing I could offer to him was to look up. Look up. Look to God. Faith looks like looking to God. My prayer for him and my prayer for each one of us is that we would look to God. Maybe even tonight on this beautiful uh, spring evening, maybe there'll be stars in the sky. Maybe you'll look at the stars tonight and you'll not hear God say to you, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. That's what God said to Abraham. God's got something special to say to you. God's got something specific to say to you. God's call is on your life. God has a promise to speak over your life. God has a word to speak over, over your life. Maybe tonight is a good night to step out and look up and listen. God, what might you want to say to me? With my friend this week, my prayer was, God, give him purpose. God, give him a sense of meaning. God, help him to know your presence. God, help him to know your goodness. That's my prayer for you as well, that you would look up and you would see what God would want to say to you. You would look up and you'd hear God's word. So faith looks like looking to God. Second of all, faith looks like following God. What does faith look like? It looks like, it looks like looking to God, lifting your eyes and looking to God. Our hope, that's where the hope comes from. That's where purpose and meaning comes from. Faith looks like following God. I love this in Abraham's story. Uh, just going back a little bit, Genesis 12, verse 1 to 2. This is when God calls Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Abraham's call isn't a destination necessarily. It's a purpose. You will be a blessing, and through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. I don't know what you would do with verse, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. What would you say to that? I, I would say something like, uh, so where? where? <laughs> Where's that? Is there a postcode? Can I put something into my sat-nav? You know, like, where is this place? Go where I will send you. How vague is that? Just go where I will send you. You know, that's the instruction for Abraham. Have you ever had that kind of sense of, uh, a sense of like God saying, go, now, move, advance, purpose, go for it. And you might be like, where, what? Like, what, what's the next thing here? Sometimes faith means stepping out of our comfort zone. Sometimes faith does mean a step into the dark. Sometimes it is about a step into the unknown. You might be in that season at the moment. I, I remember that's this real strong sense of, um, being called to work with young people. I moved to Burnley 21 years ago uh, to work with young people, uh, to go into schools and to share about Jesus in schools. I absolutely loved it. But I remember that my first ever assembly, 18 years old. We were in Mansfield High School. If you're local, you might know the school. Uh, it's no longer there. But Mansfield High School, 200 uh, year 10s, my first ever assembly. 200 year 10, which is 14 and 15 year olds. We had a 15 minute assembly about trusting in God, where we we're going to do a drama, someone's going to share a story, something else like that. 
And we were prepared. We were excited. We were confident. We were looking forward to it. This is what our training's been. We felt this sense of calling. You know, we were ready to perform and do this drama in front of these young people. And in this particular school, they had a curtain, uh, like a theater-style curtain. So we were behind the curtain as 200 scary-looking teenagers walked into the room. And I began to hyperventilate behind this curtain. I've never done that before or since. But I just was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> I don't think I can do this. Uh, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I'm just like hyperventilating backstage. And nobody noticed because I was quite a quiet hyperventilator. And uh, just, you know, panic, panicking. Um, then us praying as a team and we delivered it and I absolutely loved it. But that was a reminder to me when I was thinking about this this week of sometimes, you know, you have this moment of faith where you're like, come on, we're going to do this. And then when you take that step, you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, what have I signed up for? What have I stepped? Sometimes faith looks like a step into the unknown. Often faith is out of our comfort zone. Faith looks like following God. Jesus says this, come follow me. That's the invitation for all of us. Come, follow me. Jesus doesn't just want to give us information. He wants, to, he wants us to follow him. He wants us to go on a journey with him. It's about a closeness. It's an intimacy following Jesus. He's not just a guru that gives us information. No, he's someone that we follow, that we're close to, that we get to stick close by. Faith looks like following God. And the last one, faith looks like looking to God. Faith looks like following God. Faith looks like trusting in God. Most of the replies I got to my message about what does a living life of faith look like was this, that faith looks like trusting God, trusting and obeying. And I know trust can be so, trusting God can be so hard can't it, sometimes, so it's challenging for us sometimes. Oftentimes what it means is taking what's in our hand and offering it to God. That's so often what it looks like. God, you've given me this, and trusting God often looks like giving it back. Or sometimes it's coming to God empty-handed and saying, I, I have nothing to offer, but here's what I can do. God, I will trust in you. That's my story. That's Abraham's story. God promised Abraham a child. God said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand on the shore. And Abraham tried to take that in his own direction, tried to operate by works, you know. And that had a you know, that was painful for everybody involved in that story, if you know that story. But Abraham eventually learned to trust in God, that following God looked like trusting in God. What about you and me this morning? Can we put our trust in God? Can we hold the things in our hand, our family, our job, our finances, our career, our health, what's in our hand? And maybe this morning, faith, living a life of faith means holding that before God and trusting in God. In a moment, there's going to be a chance for all of us to respond to this message. And there might be your response this morning. Your challenge, your response might be holding something before God and saying, God, I trust you with this. Maybe your response is to say, God, I choose to follow you. Maybe, maybe your response is going to be simply, God, I choose to look to you. Maybe you're not ready to take, to take that first step, but maybe you're ready to lift your eyes Maybe you're ready to say, is, there, is it possible? Could God be speaking to me? Could God have something to say to me? So they're going to be my three invitations in a moment. I want you to reflect just now. Like, what is God saying to you? Lift your eyes. 
Maybe it's hold out your hand and trust in God. Maybe it's taking that first step and following God. But I just want to go to the end of uh, Galatians 3. I love how Galatians 3 ends. And this is going to give us another response this morning. Galatians 3, 26 says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Who are the children of God? You are the children of God in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized, we had these two awesome weeks that we were baptism. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's how Galatians 3 ends. You are in Christ. Or in Christ, you are all children of God through faith. So we're not children of God by earning our place at the table, by our works, by fulfilling the law. We are children of God by our faith in Jesus. The way to be in step with the Spirit is to follow Jesus, is to put our trust in Jesus. So I've got two responses this morning. I'd love, I'd love to pray for people this morning who are saying, I want to become a child of God. I want, to, I want to be part of the family of God. Well, the way we do that is we put our trust in Jesus. We're getting stepped by the Spirit by putting our trust in Jesus. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.